The first reading is from Zephaniah, the first chapter. Be silent before the Lord God, for the day of the Lord is near. The Lord has prepared a sacrifice and consecrated his guests. And on the day of the Lord's sacrifice, I will punish the officials and the king's son and all who array themselves in foreign attire. On that day, I will punish everyone who leaps over the threshold and those who fill their master's house with violence and fraud. On that day, declares the Lord, a cry will be heard from the fish gate, a wail from the second quarter, a loud crash from the hills. Wail, O inhabitants of the mortar, for all the traitors are no more. All who weigh silver are cut off. At that time, I will search Jerusalem with lamps, and I will punish the men who are complacent, those who say in their hearts, the Lord will not do good, nor will he do ill. Their words shall be, their goods shall be plundered, and their houses laid waste. Though they build houses, they shall not inhabit them. Though they plant vineyards, they shall not drink wine from them. The great day of the Lord is near, near and hastening fast. The sound of the day of the Lord is bitter. The mighty man cries out aloud there. A day of wrath is that day a day of distress and anguish, a day of ruin and devastation, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of trumpet blast and battle cry against the fortified cities and against the lofty battlements. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our psalm for today is Psalm 90. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust and say, Return, O children of man. For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening, it fades and withers, for we are brought to an end by your anger, but your, by your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70, or even by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. The second reading is from 1 Thessalonians, the fifth chapter. Now concerning the times and seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief, for you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love 
for a helmet the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 25th chapter. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also had the two talents came forward, saying, Master, you delivered me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward, saying, Master, I know you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. His master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown, and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him, and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will be more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the gospel of our Lord. In the past, there's been times when I have been able to serve in a church where there were other pastors, sometimes retired pastors or just pastors that were just having a weekend off on their church and they wanted to worship someplace else and just sit and get and receive and worship. And so I could say to them and say, hey guys, you know how hard it is that when you say there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth as the last sentence you read, and then you get to say the gospel of the Lord, that's a little bit awkward sometimes. The very last things we hear today, there's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then I get to say, oh, this is the good news. 
So there's sometimes work for us, and sometimes it's harder for us to get from what we hear to some good news, and hopefully that will be done today. Starts off with a, a, a fun story, though it's, even though it's fun, there's seriousness in it. So pay attention to the subtle truths that are going to be shared. Once you vision this, once you vision an inner city park, big, old, established trees, green grass, a playground that's been there maybe for like 70 years. I mean, the playground's been there forever. It's well-built, sturdy, heavy equipment, but it's well-worn. The paint's off. You know, you've seen old equipment, the things that spin and all the things, that the swings and stuff, heavy stuff. Okay? So that's the scene. And, and there's, there's children across this park with parents sitting around the edges on their little blankets. And there's some park benches around and people are sitting on the benches. And on one of those benches, there's, there's a veteran man and he's alone. And he's sitting at the bench with his Bible in his hand. He's enjoying the sounds of the children, the beauty of the day. And he's reading this well-worn Bible of his at the park. Now, while he's there, a curious kind of an adventurous, courageous child, takes a break from playing with all the kids, comes running across that playscape space all the way over there, and just plops himself right down next to the veteran man. And he says to the veteran man, what you doing? The veteran man says, I'm reading. The boy says, what you reading? He says, it's a book. It's called the Bible. He says, Oh, I know that book. It's about God. Well, you think about God much, the old man says. Oh, yeah, I have a lot of thoughts about God, the little boy said. I wonder how powerful God is. He must be smart and powerful to make all the animals and the dogs and the cats and the trees and give humans brains that could build these great big buildings and make the computers and, and all the machines. And he pauses. But he's not smart enough to change the hearts of people. He's not powerful enough to stop evil on earth. That got the man curious. What do you mean about evil on earth? The boy says, oh, evil exists. I believe that what the rich have done to the poor people in this city is something that a preacher could call evil. And what the poor people are doing to themselves and to sometimes to the rich is evil too. Everybody has power, he said. Pretending that they don't have power so that they don't have to use it to help people. That's what I call evil. The old man said, wow, you're a very wise young man. The boy says, I know. And he got up and he ran back to play with the kids. Now, with that story in mind, we'll go back to the Bible lesson, the gospel lesson. And as we do so, though, I'm going to ask that you keep that young boy's honest but true insight in your mind. That everybody has power. Pretending that you don't so that you don't need to use it to help people, that's what we call evil. In the Bible lesson, three servants, three slaves, are given the master's millions. 
Five talents would be like $10 million. One is given $10 million. The next one's given like $5 million. The next one's given a million dollars. Three servants, three people who are not millionaire experts, they're the servants. They are given millions to manage on behalf of their master. The master's millions, well, they're his property. All of what the master has created, all of what he has managed and developed over time, that's his. The millions then are now entrusted to the servants, and that is more money than those servants would make in a lifetime or 10 lifetimes. More money than they even hope to make. Mind-blowing amount of money for them. Two servants use what they've been given, and they've, they're using it in the way that they've watched their master use it. And behold, when they do what the master has done, the master's millions are doubled. Now think about this. There's no mention that they have special investor skills and training. There's no mention that they have special charismatic abilities. There's no mention that they have special personality traits or are just such exceptional people. Though it is mentioned that each is given to his ability, they're all blessed with millions. Two servants put the master's millions to work, and it's like, voila, each servant doubles the master's million. When the master returns and he learns about their efforts, when he tells them about the success of their efforts, this is what he tells them. Well done, good and faithful servants. One servant, we know, he's entrusted with the master's million. When the master returns, this knucklehead, he wrongfully labels, that's a word that's popular in our world, labeling people. He wrongfully labels the master as being hard. And worse than that, that somehow or another, the master has not worked for any of the things that he's entrusted to them. The 10, 15, 16 million dollars that he's entrusted to three people to manage, oh, that he didn't do anything for that. Like he, he robbed it or he, he just lucked upon it. That's insulting to the master. He was neither hard and nor was he just lucky in by things. They've tarnished his good name with that statement. And then on top of tarnishing the master's good name, he wrongfully attempts to use fear as an excuse for his inactivity. He didn't use the millions that he'd been entrusted as the master would have used them. He refused to work with the master's millions like, like he had witnessed the master do himself. He didn't even try. He simply buried it in the dirt. There's no mention now of this servant. There's no mention that this servant was an, a scoundrel or a knucklehead by chance. He's entrusted with a big portion of the master's money. There's no mention that he lacks skills or abilities. There's no mention of questionable personality traits or that he's from a dysfunctional family of origin. That's a great excuse these days, right? There's none of that mentioned. He simply buries the talents entrusted to him and returns it to the master. And when he returns it to the master, the master says to him, you are wicked, 
and you're a lazy servant. Now let's revisit the first story. A boy runs over to the older man. He's, he's reading his Bible in the park. And after a brief exchange of words, the boy says, everybody has been given power. Another way of saying that everybody has been given the master's millions. Pretending that you do not have the master's millions so that you don't have to use it to help people. That's what we call evil. The parable Jesus gave was possibly and probably known by the boy for his answer. He knew about the book. Oh, yeah, I know that book, he said. And it was probably influencing the boy's answer. Now, we would get to that. Is imagining or pretending that you personally, individually, you are not needed in the kingdom of God so that you can fully attend to your own personal and private agendas? If you're doing that, know that that's evil. Or imagining or creating some illusion in your mind and your way of thinking that, that what you've been entrusted with and what you've been given isn't able or, or will not make a positive difference in this earth kingdom or in the kingdom of heaven, that is evil. It's the same thing as burying it into the dirt. And what I mean by evil is this. Evil, spelled backwards, is live. So, but you're not doing what it is to mean to live. You're doing the opposite. And God has entrusted us with these things so that we can fully live. So when I'm using the words evil, that's what I'm talking about. So now with this lesson, every one of us has been blessed with God's, with the master's millions Every one of us. And having been to foreign countries numerous times, I can say that everyone there thinks that everyone here is rich beyond compare. If they were to sit in our homes, they would think they are sitting in castles. The things we take that we're irritated with are first world problems because of them, it would be the greatest thing ever. So we are rich. Don't ever think you're not. So now that we're rich, we've been blessed with these things. We've been blessed with two things, actually. We've been blessed with all this worldly creation wealth, and we've been entrusted with God's kingdom wealth. First thing, creation wealth. We all have it. We as Americans have lots of it. Each of us is extravagantly entrusted with all that we are and all that we have. Think about these things. And these are things you can be just grateful for. As you're driving home today on this beautiful sunny day here, you can say, oh, Lord, thank you for the life you've given me and the years I've gotten to see and how blessed my years have been. Lord, thank you for my breath and my intelligence, and my creativity. Thank you for my strength, the talents you've given me, the voice you've given me. Lord, thank you for my family. Thank you for my friends. Thank you for this awesome community, Lord. Thank you for my church. Lord, for this wealth of creation and all the assets of creation that you've just given to me in this life, thank you. And then pretending that we don't have enough of God's creation, that we don't have enough to make a difference, that we don't have to use it the way the master Jesus would use it. Then today here, as being said, is not using it the way he would use it would be evil not living. 
not playing with and not working with God's creation in harmony with his plan and his purpose is the opposite of truly living. So today we hear once again that God is calling us to live, to receive his gifts and enjoy using his gifts in such a way as it would bring him honor and glory. Now, as you're listening to this, there's a possibility that even now, while you're in the church today, a thought could be entering in your mind like, wow, I could do this, or maybe I could do that, or there's someone I could talk to. The Holy Spirit might be entrusting your heads right now with thoughts about how you could serve this week and in the days ahead by, with the things he's entrusted you with. Well, this is a good day to say, thank you, Lord, for the good idea and make it happen. Just do it. There's also another wealth that we've been given. It's called kingdom wealth. We have this, we have a lot of this as well. We've all been fully blessed with God's most precious possessions. He has entrusted us into us at baptism, the Holy Spirit himself. He's entrusted to us his love and his forgiveness. He's given us his word that means his story. He's blessed us with his grace, his hope, compassion, generosity, and faith. All those good things that are within us, they are gifts of God to us. Every one of us is called to put that kingdom wealth to work as Jesus would do. Every day, the Holy Spirit is presenting us with ideas and opportunities that we would remember the good news of Christ Jesus. We'd remember who we are and whose we are and the story that he's given us. That every day, he will give us at least one opportunity during the day where we could share some good news about God's love, at least to one person every day. The demonstrating the love and forgiveness of Jesus. We can demonstrate, we can raise people up. We can, we can encourage them and give thanks for them. And it really just how many people are like being beat down all the time? Why don't we be Christians and raise people up? That we can live with confidence in promise and hope and faith. Every one of us is called to do that. Every one of us is called to use that kingdom, the wealth, the way Jesus would do. Years ago, there was that bracelet, WWJD, what would Jesus do? When you're thinking about creation's wealth that you're entrusted, and when you're thinking about the spiritual wealth, the, the kingdom of God wealth that you've been entrusted today here, use it the way Jesus would use it. One more little point on this. Many years ago, actually my first call in Kansas, we would huddle as pastors um, every week to do Bible study. We'd come from the country and meet in Manhattan, Kansas, and we would talk about this. And we're looking at this Bible lesson, and, and I'm like a first year at this, right? Right out of seminary. And these pastors are like saying, oh, man, we got to talk about talents again. It's kind of sad ending. And everybody's heard this story like all the time, and they're tired of it. How are we going to say something fresh that might get to their minds and to their hearts? And so they're trying to come up with a plan, maybe to, and a scenario, they said, well, maybe this year we can add a, a question like, well, what would happen if there would have been a fourth servant? And, and this fourth servant would have been entrusted, you know, given the scenario of this, the fourth servant would have been entrusted like 20 million, more than all the others, 20 million. And what happens if that fourth servant would have gone out and, and lost a big chunk of it or all of it? So when the master returns, he would be approaching the master saying, wow, master, I tried. I made investments like I thought you would make investments, and I lost it. What would happen? We're thinking, well, maybe that would entertain people's minds. And they would kind of get back into the story. <laughs> and the veteran pastor there, he's a cool guy. He, he said, guys, there's no need for a forced servant. Don't even worry about it. In this parable, it's easy to understand. 
that if you use what God has given to you as Jesus instructed, meaning that if, if you teach people to obey the laws of God and you show them how to follow the laws of God every day and how you live and interact. And guys, if you, if you share the good news of God's love each day and you just love people and raise them up and forgive them and just good to them, Lord, guys, if you're doing that, you're serving God's purposes in the kingdom and there's no way that that would ever return to you anything less than double. It's impossible to lose the master's millions when you use it the way Jesus used it. A courageous boy spoke to a veteran man in a park. Everybody has power. Pretending that you don't have power so you don't have to use it to help people, that's evil. Friends, we've been given, better yet, we've been entrusted with all that we need to know God's holy will and ways and show it in how we live, to know the good news of Jesus and show it in our lives, living like he would have us to live. We've been given all we need to apply this world resources entrusted to us and use it for his glory. That's living that's evil spelled the right way, living, live. And so on this day, we're encouraged to pray and let's pray. Heavenly Father, give us courage, wisdom, and power, and give us enthusiasm that we will multiply your creation wealth and your kingdom wealth. Oh, Lord, and on the last day, give us joy as we hear the words, well done, good and faithful servants. Jesus' name we've prayed. Amen. Let us declare our faith when we use the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again. He descended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And let us pray for the whole people of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Most wonderful God, in you we live and move and have our being. Your love and your kindness always go before us and always follow after us. Call us into your light. Direct our daily walk in the ways of goodness. Make us worthy of your calling to live as disciples and to make disciples. Lord, in your mercy. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the good news of your Son. Thank you for the love Jesus has for us love displayed even on a cross. Father, make that love rich and real in our hearts as we live this week. Let it do its great work of driving from our lives those things which separate us, those distinctions that make us turn our backs on others. Lord, help us to judge these things in the light of the cross and by its light to walk before you all our days. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. We pray to you, 
Heavenly Father, concerning those things which hold on to us, those things which we hold on to, the habits of our lives, the loyalties which guide our actions, the standards which, which we do not question when we ought to. Lord, help us to follow you closely, that we might love you more than we love the things of this world. Lord, in your mercy. And Father, from you all good things come. We thank you for the joys and celebrations and milestones shared in our lives. Lord, we want to give you thanks for those that are celebrating birthdays this week. Lord, thank you for those that are celebrating wedding anniversaries, especially today the Strasseners who celebrate 56 years marriage. Father, you promised to give shelter on the day of trouble. So Father, we pray for those that are nervous about having shelter because they've lost their jobs. Lord, we pray for all those who are in need. We pray for those who mourn. They find themselves going home to empty houses and miss the ones they used to share life with. Be with them, Lord. Lord, and we pray for those who are ill, those who are hospitalized, those who are recovering from procedures, and those who are just not feeling well because bodies have gotten tired and hurt. Lord, we pray for those who are captured by spirits of depression or addiction. Lord, we pray for those whose hearts are filled with fear and bitterness. Lord, for those who will not get well except on Resurrection Day. For those, and for those we need in our hearts now, Lord, we pray. Lord, in your mercy. Into your hands, Heavenly Father, we commend ourselves and all for whom we pray. We will trust you and in your mercy. In Jesus' name we boldly pray. Amen.